0: Indie Film Sucks, Indie Film Sucks, it's the Indie Film Sucks Podcast, yeah! Coming
1: at you from the mean streets of St. Louis, from a basement on South Broadway, the Indie Film Sucks Podcast. Because... It's, indie film sucks, and it sucks being poor. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Good All thing right. we got this great studio, though. Yes. <laughs> beautiful, studio. beautiful studio. It's a beautiful studio. It
0: is. Thumbs up for the studio. Yeah. All right, Brock, what, what's your suck?
2: Uh, you son of a bitch. Hey, well. God. Got to uh, keep it I, consistent. I, okay, so I guess for me right now, the suck would be, uh, so we are in this amazing, elaborate studio, but to keep the sound. To where you can hear us, we have to turn the heater off, <laughs> and it's fucking cold. And let me show you. My nipples could break something right now.
0: Wow. So are really mine are okay. <laughs> mine, <laughs> so my mine are semi.
2: Mine are coming through my shirt. So uh,
0: you are the good-looking one. That's I suck because as Chris
2: said, it sucks to be poor. We can't we can't have like a, a real great big kick-ass studio, which one day we could possibly dream to have but uh, besides that things aren't sucking today too much
0: that's good that's good what about you chris uh, what
1: sucks uh, the waiting <laughs> waiting sucks waiting through post sucks and we've been waiting for over a year and it's just a drag and it's a grind and everybody goes through it <laughs> that's all you can do
0: yeah no i 100 agree and mine was waiting waiting is what i was thinking when we uh, were sitting here and I was listening to you guys, but mine's the hurry up and wait. So everything is wait, 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 even when you're trying to get through pre-production, right? You're doing these meetings, but it's kind of wait. And then you shoot and everything's like fast speed, everything, you you go, 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 and you got to get it done. Then it's in the can and it's waiting again. And now it's kind of like, it's going to be done. It's going to be festival season. It's going to be this. We're going to do the premiere. Everything's going to happen again. And now it's rush, rush, rush again. It is,
2: but the thing about some of the waiting is, We get a lot of shit done that needs to be done that a lot of people don't think that that they have to do to make a movie. Like we're looking at music, drop to drop music in uh, contacts for when we get this thing ready to rock and roll. Um, There's a lot of little things we've been doing in the middle of the the long ass waiting, but you know those are only a few phone calls here and there and listening to some music. But you're right, man. (laughs) <laughs> the waiting sucks so much.
0: Yeah. No, that's, it's key, Brock, what you said there about making sure you understand what you need to get done mm-hmm. because things do go slow. You're going to have a, a, a large segment of time where you feel like nothing's happening. So my point was, is, and this is for everybody, is you still have things to do. It might seem like a long period of time you have, but if you're not getting those things done or you have those things listed out or you don't understand what you need to do, it's going to speed up again. Like when the film's done, and all of a sudden you're trying to move to distribution and move all these other things, you have to have all these other things in line. So, that, that period of time, even though it's long, you need to understand what you need to do during that period of time. So, we were talking about the credits, right? Mm-hmm. So, right, we got to go through and who are we thanking and who, because in independent films, right, there's a laundry list of people that you need to thank and the mm-hmm. extras and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you got to understand that there's a lot of things that need to be done. Well, what what kind of things have you been doing,
2: Greg? Because you, you've done a lot of stuff to uh, make sure that post is, while well, post is still happening, editing is still happening. I know you've been pretty busy doing a lot of other things, and I'm curious and what some of those things were.
1: Uh, you know... Uh, for, for this, mostly it's been stuff like setting up this podcast and being in communication with the editor. For the previous films, I was always really anxious to get through post as quick as possible. Right? I mean, I always wanted... And, and I felt, to the detriment of the films, all of our films, Post was something that was rushed through, you know, to get to the big screening, the big premiere, mm. which effectively means jack shit. <laughs> it, it really does. I mean, it's great for the cast and crew. It really is. And I think every director, every filmmaker, should have a, a local premiere for the people who were in the movie. But beyond that, eh, unless it's a plain and major festival, it doesn't really matter. So uh, this time, I, I definitely took a step back and said, you know what, post-production on Red Night at Skies is going to take as long as it's going to take. I'm not going to worry about festivals. I'm not going to worry about distributors. I'm not going to worry about screenings. I'm going to let the editor do his thing, pretty much stay hands off, and then once he achieves picture lock, then the uh, composer takes over and I'm pretty much going to stay hands off, let him do his thing. When it's done, it'll be done, and we won't have any lingering, oh, if he would have taken more time with this, or if we would have spent a little more time with that, the movie would be better. So now it's we're, we're taking the exact amount of time that it needs.
2: Now, you said you've been pretty much hands-off, but we've actually seen the, like the super rough first cut of it. And uh, you took some notes to that, and, and then you got to watch it a second time.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, and, and plus, I mean, I have I have the film. I've gone through, made my own cuts, sent that to the editor and said, Hey, what do you think about this? Does this work for you? Is this better? Is this worse? And he's been like, Oh, yeah, this is immensely helpful. Okay, and sure. And everything that I have done... Is has been nothing like, I want it cut this way. It's like, hey, here's what I think. Uh, what do you think? It, it's, it's definitely the editor's job, and I'm letting Jeff Wedding, our editor, do his job. So anything that I have cut has is, is just been a suggestion. And by and large, he's taken them. By no means did he have to. It's just like, you know, I'm also an editor. I, I have experience doing this, so I also know what to look for. Mm-hmm. And when you get into cutting a feature film you get editor brain where you you can't see something anymore. It's, right. You've been doing it for so long. You get numb to everything. Yeah, you get numb to everything. Mm-hmm. And it's it's good to have that outside perspective to come in and say, hey, this works, hey, this doesn't work, or hey, here's another idea, or hey, there's this one thing that I couldn't solve or I didn't see just because I've been looking at it for so long.
0: Yeah, that's what I enjoyed, even sitting down with Jeff and watching it and sitting down with you and watching it the second time is just having those conversations about this piece or that piece, not the grand scope of the movie and what this was but just having those little bit of conversations going I think this might need a little bit more and then you know in the film so well because you've seen it so many times and then going back to Jeff and saying what do we got yeah. well, how can we create this and how can we do this uh, and we went back and uh, we did the pickup right because it yeah. made sense because we, we had a little hole I guess right it's just now now that part of the movie just makes more sense and it flows really yeah. nice
2: another thing I, that we we've actually been able to do is, is look into different distributors and uh, which ones we may go into deeper uh the type of festivals if any if we want to submit to those and the time frame of those even though we're not pushing the movie to get done by any certain time yeah uh, we do have a pretty good idea when we can put start doing that and we do have a list of distributors and sales agents and and whatever because right off the bat we were introduced to another sales agent and a distributor and a couple of distributors who really liked just our trailer before it's even finished being
1: edited. Bill Moseley's agent was instrumental in introducing us to a couple of distributors and a sales agent, people who who really liked what they saw with the trailer. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, we're we're not we're not making any promises. We're not we don't have any deals on the table at this juncture. We're just taking it really slow because, you know, we've been down this path before. We know how a lot of distributors operate. I'm not saying anyone is honest or dishonest. What I'm saying is you hear a lot of things, you get a lot of promises,
0: and a lot of those promises are just empty.
2: I'm saying there's a lot of dishonesty. I don't mind
0: saying that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's dishonesty within the rules, right? Mm -hmm. Because you really can't. I mean, who's the little guy to sue the big guy? And obviously there hasn't been any changes in the industry. Until they pull
2: that fucking curtain back and show us the real shit, I think you're dishonest.
0: Yeah, I
1: mean, that's that's what we're looking for from a distributor, I'll say. And we're going to talk about this more as we go further down the road is how transparent are you? Mm-hmm. And if you're not transparent, we're not going to deal with you. And you know what? It doesn't matter, man. If everyone turns us down because we ask too much, that's cool. Right. We'll self-release it. It's 2023. You can do that now. <laughs> a lot of options. 10, 15, 20 years ago, you didn't have any options. Mm-hmm. Now we have lots of options. I'm not saying we're going to self-release the movie. Ideally, what we want, I think what all of us here want, is a partnership with someone who's going to help us together grow into the future and help us produce a bigger and better film. But if that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You know, that's that's the thing a lot of filmmakers get hung up on is they put all their eggs in that basket, right? They think that the key is to get this film out there and get it in distribution, and then people will see what they've done, and then they'll come to them. No one's going
0: to come to you. Yeah, but I think that's what they're told, Chris. Of course that's what they're told. Right, so that's, that's the whole thing. It's like getting excited, and I think... Even your past, and tell me if I'm wrong here, it's like we always had that that fake date. we got to get in this festival. Oh, we yeah. got to do this. So that was the deadline date, right? Got to get it done by this date so we can do this, so we can show it here and do this, right? Yeah. So now, yes, you have to be conscious of dates if you want to be in other festivals, if you want to do certain things. But if the movie's not ready, it's okay. I don't care what any distributor, any festival,
1: anybody tells you nobody wants to see a rough cut. I know that, oh, we can look at it with a professional eye. No, they can't. You get one chance to make a first impression. Make it your very best. Don't send a rough cut. Don't send a work in progress. Uh, because you're right. All these dates are artificial. It doesn't matter. Your movie, until it's released, unless it's something incredibly topical, does not have a shelf life.
0: You're right. That's a great point about topical. Yeah. So, yeah, I would I would throw that part of it out of there. If you do have something that's topical or dated or something that that has a time frame but if you're just making a movie like we are which is you know horror genre every you know it it could be set at any time at any day on any place right it's pretty much timeless yeah so there there should be no rush now you do have to answer to other people like your um investors those types of people and we talked a little bit about that like didn't you make a movie it's like what's going on if they believe in you and you've explained it to them the proper way you probably should already told them that this is a long process. Yeah. And setting that up front, mm. being honest with your investors, I think, is a key also uh, of how long it takes.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't promise people that, you know, oh, within 12 months, you know, we're, we're going to be making tons of money. Don't promise people shit. You know, be honest with people. Tell them, like, look, the worst possible investment you can make is an independent film. Don't take someone's last dime. If they can't spare the
0: money, don't take it.
2: I hope none of the investors hear what Greg
0: I mean, no, said. Well, <laughs> no. we always tell them we got their best interest in mind, but we also made them read that sheet that yeah. said this is an investment and it's a feature film well, investment. Yeah, all of our
2: investors understood it as an investment. And, right. And, you know, obviously to set up something they'd like to see on return, it's, the return could be pretty significant. Right. Obviously that's what kind of lures them in. Like, yeah. oh, you could actually, you know, make this kind of money. Is it you can. But, you know, it still is a gamble because it is an investment, just like you buy any type of property
0: well, we wouldn't be doing them any favors if we rushed through the process, and no, I think that's that's, right. that's what we were talking about, time, right, and that kind of stuff. We're talking about our new film, Red, <laughs> Red Night at Skies, and kind of where we're at, I think we left off the last time we were talking about it, going into this portion of it, right, because we're close to being done, and we're ready to take that next step, and now we're doing the podcast because guess what? We got time to kill. And this whole podcast idea came about when me and Chris Mackey were
1: driving back from Nashville from seeing Red Night Skies the first time, and and we were talking about all of the suck, all of the bullshit that comes with making independent films and dealing with distributors and dealing with people promising what they don't deliver on and, and lying and all of that shit. And it's it's like, man, what we have to do, we, we got to build our brand. That's, that's part of what you got to do, either if you're going to do it yourself or... It will help entice distributors if you already have a following because I think we've we've read about this and we've watched pot listened to podcasts about this. It's about finding your
0: niche.
2: Yeah. Part of the downtime we've learned quite a bit about this stuff. You know? Right.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing with the time we, we we learned. That's we read, we learned, we watched stuff, we try to do stuff, and we're trying to take that so we don't make the mistakes. We've made our fair share. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the niche, Greg,
2: I wanna elaborate on that a little bit. Like who do you think this eighty eight millimeter niche is?
1: Eighty-eight millimeter productions. The unofficial tagline is the working class filmmaker, and and that's who we are. We are your your average Joe, not trust fund kids, not rich kids, not people who came for money. We're three guys who have you know worked our whole lives, and and not necessarily in film. Hell, not even in film. You know, we we all come from working class, blue collar backgrounds. The the working class filmmaker, I think, speaks to people who don't have a ton of resources, but they have a ton of grit and you need the grit. You, you need the stick-to-itiveness. You need that more than you need the money because money will solve a lot of problems, but money will not make up for tenacity. That's good and, and talent without tenacity is basically useless. I know some talented people who aren't out there busting ass every day. I know, I know people who are more talented than I am in a variety of fields they don't really do anything with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say we're the most talented guys in the world,
0: but man, we're going to try to outwork you. Exactly. And I think that's a good start to where we are with our niches. Just the grind, right? Yeah. We're working class dudes who love to make movies and part of this podcast is we know there's other people out there like us yeah, that are yeah. experiencing the exact same things as us. We're just trying to put it out there to tell you, hey, you're not by yourself. We're making mistakes. We're trying to grind. And now we're moving into the part where hopefully we take this journey through our distribution, our, our movie, because we talked about our old movies. Yeah. Talked about the mistakes we made there. And uh, and we'll refer back to them. But it's the new journey now yeah. of everything for Red Knighted Skies and where that goes. And Brock, if you want to elaborate on Niche a little bit, if you wanted to get into like genre and all that. Well, actually, I was thinking more or less,
2: like I, I really believe our audience are other filmmakers that are listening to our podcast, because a lot of them are in the same boat. I mean, we just had a guest on uh, talking about the same shit we've ran into yeah. and a little bit earlier on in their career, uh, but it, it seems like they're learning quicker now since <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're, they're learning to see bullshit when they see it. Uh, yeah But uh, I really do think other filmmakers or other just hardworking people that are trying to create something a little bit different than the status quo. Uh, I think that's our audience. So I, I'd, I'd love for them to, to follow us along and I'd like to see some of their stuff too. You know, I know there are other hardworking independent filmmakers out there and uh, I, I really want to bring that Family together, as Alex Ferrari calls it his tribe. Right, you know, and I think that's a really good way to put it.
1: I think back to uh this same time. This was twenty years ago. Uh, Amphetamine. That was the uh, the film in post, and we were driving. The team at the time was driving hard for the big premiere. That was the big night in St. Louis, and beyond that, I had no clue of what to do. And I remember thinking that, like, I don't know. At the time, I don't know, I didn't know anything about distribution, mm-hmm. film festivals. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this thing. I mean, I made the movie, we're gonna premiere it at the big local show, it's gonna be awesome. And it was. It was the best screening hands down we have ever had for any of our movies. It was a hell of a night. But I didn't know what to do after that.
2: Well, because back then you thought somebody would see it and they'd approach you. Because that's what you're taught. That's what you're yeah, told. Yeah,
1: that, that was exactly it. Because it, it was a big night. There's like 800, 900 people there at, at the uh, the space. It was uh, a music venue that, that they opened up for it. And yeah, you know, we were thinking, oh, who knows who's going to be out there who's going to see it. <laughs> and I think the only person who saw it was Richard Tarr, <laughs> who, who hated it as much as anyone could hate a movie. Uh you can read his you can read his glowing review on IMDb. He graciously put it up there for us. But uh, but yeah, beyond that, I didn't know what to do. Didn't know where to go with it. Didn't know right. anything about okay, I guess we submitted it to festivals. And man, we submitted it to a shit ton of festivals. We had this whole package put together. We had all this promotional material that we spent a lot of money on. It looked really good. It looked better in the movie, as a matter of fact. And and it it tanked everywhere everywhere. And no distributor wanted it. And finally, it got put together as part of a package deal with like four or five other movies by this company in New York. And that deal fell apart and nothing ever happened with it. And I thought amphetamine is never going to see the light of day.
2: Well, here's the thing. Back then, there was no internet like it is today. Not like it is today. So there's no no streaming platforms at all. So there was the theater or straight to video. That's the good thing about today, actually. There's a big outlet now for movies. Problem is, there's so much shit out yes. there and so much content and so many platforms now, it's hard to find that little spot for your movie to get any fucking attention.
0: Back then, DVD was king, baby. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now DVD's dead. Yeah, yeah but I I still think back then you had as many issues getting distribution from the choices you had as we do now. Oh, yeah. Because you still, the, the big key there is you weren't prepared. No. You didn't know. You didn't research. You didn't write. No. Because you your life was get the people together, make the movie, make get some money, right? Yeah. And then premiere. You know what I mean? Yeah, It's, no. just, it's like your story ended there. It was a
2: fun fucking night, though. I remember that. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was a good night. No, I, I think, but <laughs> And it, then it's, it stopped.
0: <laughs> it's that preparation of going, and you're still going to make mistakes, of knowing what you're going to do with it, whether it's the 70s, 80s, 90s, now. You just got to understand what's out there with VOD and A, what, AVOD. AVOD, TVOD,
1: SVOD. Exactly.
0: Um, you could probably have the same conversations for insphetamine, what the options were. Because it's this is how the route you got to go. I got to go to festivals. I got to go to distributors. I got to yep. go here. I got to go there. It's the prep work. That, that's my bottom line.
1: And, and to be fair, I mean, as I said before, I'll say again, for a first-time feature film by a first-time feature filmmaker, it's not that bad. But as far as movies go, it's not that good. So it's not it's not terrible that it got rejected. It's not terrible that oh. it didn't get picked up by distributors. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible that festivals didn't love it because it was a great learning experience. Right. Sure. And it was it was like a, a cold bucket of water in the face which told me,
0: "Wow, I I got to get better." So better at making movies, but yeah. also better with your plan. Oh yeah, and that's <laughs> what I'm trying we'll to work drive. On that one. Well, even <laughs> well, we, what, what Red and I, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. We got this dead space, right? We started this podcast off with really talking about time and the waiting and these ebbs and flows of being busy and not busy. And I think we've utilized the time as well as we could. Yeah, right. To understand, going nobody knows who the hell we are. So how do? What do we do to try to do something? Three guys sitting in a basement on <laughs> Broadway. Doing this, this may get us somewhere, but we're going to try, right? Because it's part of our plan. And that's, Right. That if you
2: do nothing, nothing will fucking happen. Exactly. A- exactly. I've said that
0: before. Exactly. It's, along with everything else we put into Red Knight, right? We had the formula. You have to do this. You have to get the, the name actor, which we got Mosley. Yeah. You know, we we did all these things correct. And and still, none of this is guaranteed.
1: None of it's guaranteed. As, as far as as far as I know, Red Knight could. Totally tank. It could go over like a turd in a punch bowl. I have no idea. I I don't think it will, but I
0: don't know. I can't see into the future. No, I I can't either. All we can do is is prepare, understand, and not accept things that don't work in our favor, which is things we may not have done in the past. Correct.
1: A lot of filmmakers, if they're only offered one deal, they'll take it because like, oh, that's the only deal I got. So, I mean, I guess this is my only chance. Like, no, that is, that is your only chance to see someone else profit off your film if there's any profit to be had. Right. Don't take that only chance. It's better to either release it yourself or not release it at all than to have someone else release it and make money off your sweat and you get nothing. Because that's not going to help your career. Having a film in distribution where they don't market it, they don't push it, and they don't pay you doesn't help you.
0: It's not going to help you make your next movie. Guarantee you that. Yeah, I just don't see it going anywhere there. I mean, as opposed to you just having it yourself. Yeah. Because it gets lost in the shuffle. If you go on any kind of distribution website today, I think you said it earlier in the podcast, I've never heard of half these movies. I've never seen prints for them. I've never seen advertising for them. I've never seen anything for them. I hope they're making money. I really do. You just don't know. You don't know. That's no, that you that don't just know. Said.
2: You don't know because, well, the curtain's pretty damn tight for even the ones that are making money for their distributor. It's really hard to figure out which companies to go through that are actually legit. Like I said before, there are some out there, but how do we know how legit they really fucking are with their people, you know? Right. So some film is making some money, but how much money is it really making? We're not making. I don't know. There's just that the damn curtain in front of everybody that I, I just would like to have that transparency, transparency that uh, Greg has spoke of earlier.
1: Yeah, it, it's a hard business for the distributors, too, to be honest, because yeah. there's there's so many movies out there. But but here's the thing about filmmaking. Here's, it's, I guess you could say it about the arts, but it's about filmmaking in particular. It's kind of like a mirage. Because it's really one of those things almost anybody can do at this point. So it seems like it's so easy to make a movie, and it really is. I mean, it's hard to make a movie, but it's not really that hard to put something together and get it in distribution. That's not an impossible mountain. But because there's so much stuff out there, it's it's like the, the gate is open and anyone can come on in. Come on in. It's great. Become a filmmaker. And it seems like that it's possible for anybody to do this crazy thing and to make it happen. Because, oh, look, the Blair Witch did it or Kevin Smith did it. Christopher Nolan did it with Following. But it, man, it's, it's there's, there's a level of, of false hope with filmmaking that is there. Because the bar for entry is set so low so many filmmakers go into it with nothing more than hope and they don't have a plan. It's like, well, if I just if I just make it, people will see it and they're gonna they're gonna see the effort we put into it. And man, I'm just here to tell you, no one's gonna give a shit about the effort.
0: I mean true, except for the people that made it. And I agree with your false sense of hope because that's what people tell you. I yeah. think you start making it out for the art and the fun, and then you start getting into it a little bit more and you, you I don't know. Yeah, but it's to just, be honest,
2: we're all in it for that fucking false Hope.
0: Well, that's how yeah, we all—that's how we all start. Yeah. But make no mistake, like anything else, it's a business. I, I mm. see that. But I got into it late. I consider—I've always considered it a business. I like the one night out where we all go party and have the rap parties. Mm. I love that stuff. But I've always considered this a business. Oh yeah. And I've huh? always looked at it from that side of that. But I've never been on your side from the beginning right i've never been the cameraman or the director or the writer and want to see something come to fruition i look at it from a dollars and cents standpoint and say you guys came to me with the formula you got this this and this but you don't have this fourth thing why would you make the movie if you don't have the fourth thing yeah you told me the formula and if it doesn't have this it's not going to work why would you make it yeah (laughs) now granted we made some movies for fun Mm -hmm. and you said this is for fun and that's a perfect let's go have some fun right but if you're going to ask somebody to help finance something for you, you have to have that plan and you have to have that, you have to have that set up.
2: We, de- we definitely look at it as a business. Now, I mean, I always have too, but I, I never looked too far beyond trying to raise a little bit of money for a movie. I, I never worked on the, let's find a distributor side too hard. Now you have to because that actually is, that's the fucking end goal. So you almost have to work backwards <laughs> yeah to should, make a movie. That
1: should be your goal from the from the outset before you even make the damn movie. Yeah. but when I started, I definitely looked at it like field of dreams. yeah mm-hmm. you know if you build it, they will come You're that, right. That's how I saw it. That's how it was pitched to me, you know, maybe because of how old I am, you know, generation X because man let me tell you the fucking 80s, just lied to Gen X so hard. They thought if you just if you go out there and, and you bust your ass real hard, then you can overcome anything. You know, you can you can save the club from the developers or whatever horse shit. It's all just the fucking lie. You know, the evil developer wins every time, man. It's like you can't fight City Hall. You know, you you lose every time. I fought the law, and let me tell you, the <laughs> yeah, law won.
0: The law won. God bless
2: him. We don't have rights to that. You better stop saying
0: that. Yeah, exactly. we're not saying <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, so that's what I'm excited. And, and this part about it, I'm excited about. We're going to do a whole show on distribution. So, so stick with us there as we get this movie into that portion of it. Um, So we'll talk more in depth about our experience with distribution. Um, But I'm excited where Red Knights at right now in the position we put ourselves in and everything we've educated ourselves on. Because everything we're talking about is exactly what we're going to do. Yeah. Right. Be patient. Get educated on different things. And Brock, you're big on... Hey guys, did you know about this? Now, did you know about this? Have you seen this? Always sharing articles and that kind of stuff. So I think that's key, especially when you got three members that everybody's working towards the same goal.
2: That lag time we've spoke about, you might as well learn something.
1: Yeah, we are just now kind of coming out of the the downward slope and getting ready to ramp things up. But it, it's been a long. It's been a over a year because we wrapped production in November of twenty twenty one, and this is what April twenty twenty three. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it's been a year and a half,
0: a year and some change. Yeah.
2: It's been a minute.
0: Right. But it's right where it needs to be. It is exactly in same, right. In the, it needs to in, be. in the same breath, it's, it's right where it needs to be. I'm, I'm just excited for it to, to be where it My is. My girlfriend
1: cause... just asked me this uh, just the other day, maybe, uh, I don't know, over the weekend. said, Do you feel bad that it's taken so long? Does it make you anxious? I'm like, No. I've been down this path so many times. I'm not the least bit anxious. I'm not. I'm not worried. I, I have no concern about, you know, all oh, the film's not done yet. I'm I'm freaking out. And I've been there before where I was freaking out, and I just want it to be done, and I just want to move on. Like, eh, you know what? It's going to be done when it's done and not a moment sooner.
2: And like you also brushed on, Mackie, I think we're it's okay to take longer because it's making the movie the the best it can possibly be, and that's what we promised our investors from the beginning. That's yes. true. So if yeah. it takes a, a minute or two longer, you know it's probably for the betterment of the film, and for hopefully our bank accounts,
0: <laughs> <laughs> eventually in the long run, right? Mm. Yeah. No, I, I think we know what we have, and it's 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 good enough. To take the extra time with it. And I think that's what's exciting about it. And we still got a whole distribution process to go to, but we also got a plan to go to festivals. We also got a plan to do XYZ and we also got a plan to do this. We're doing this because it's going to be available on our website. Yep. You know, there's certain things we're trying to do to get people to understand what we're about. So when you do see our films, any of our films that we've talked about, right? They're all out on the website. They're all there. Um, so you can go you know, backtrack and go, oh, what was he talking about, Amphetamine? Well, it's out there. The trailers are out there. Uh, the films are out there. But then when Red Knight releases, hopefully these people can see our progression and put the stories behind the movies and see the progression of everything we've been talking about. And yeah. we'll still talk about the mistakes we made during Red Night. Or, conversely, no one's going to give a shit. Well, yes, (laughs) I'm going to be optimistic here. Yeah. Well, like I
2: said, our our tribe will understand and give a shit,
0: I think, we build one. Exactly, and I think this is even helpful for us, sitting around talking about our stuff and the mistakes we made, and we had Nathan on, and listening to him talk about stuff, and we got more guests coming up talking about their stuff.
1: You know what the (laughs) most important thing we're going to talk about is? What's that, Chris Gregan? I would say the most important thing we're going to talk about are the highs, (laughs) the lows, and the in-betweens of true, true independent filmmaking on the Indie Film Sucks podcast. (laughs) Brought to you by 88mm Productions and, you know, whatever. It's all on the places. My nipples are still hard.
0: (laughs) Indie Film Sucks. Indie Film Sucks. It's the Indie Film Sucks.